Father, we do ask you for a just an inspirational and revelational understanding of who we are in you today, that we would know in our heart truly who we are and live out of that truth. We pray you help us get that today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, there was this guy. He was, he was a mechanic, and he was removing a cylinder head from the motor of a Harley motorcycle when he spotted a well-known heart surgeon in his shop. Now, the heart surgeon was there waiting to talk to the service manager to get him to look at his Harley and give him some uh, understanding what's going on there. And when the mechanic saw this well-known heart surgeon, he yelled across the shop, Hey, Doc, can I ask you a question? And the surgeon, a bit surprised, walked over to the mechanic and was uh, leaned over to uh, hear his question. The mechanic, he stood up and he wiped his hands with the rag. And then he said, So, Doc, uh, look at this engine I'm working on here. I open its heart. I take out the valves. I fix them. I put them back in, and when I finish, it, this motorcycle works just like new. So how come I get such a small salary, and you get the really big bucks when you and I are basically doing the same thing? So the surgeon paused and smiled and leaned over and whispered to the mechanic, try doing it with the engine running. Well, heart surgery is difficult because it must be done with the engine running. Today, we're going to talk about a different kind of heart surgery. We're going to talk about our spiritual life, our heart surgery, that also has to be done with the engine running. The book of Proverbs tells us this. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. So according to the Bible, according to this verse, everything we do really comes from our heart. It's our control center. Our hearts determine our behavior. So you really can't truly change your behavior without changing your heart. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we really watch over our heart with all diligence. Well, there's a lot to say about the subject, but what I want to focus on this morning is what I believe is the number one thing the Bible teaches about what we must watch over when we watch over our heart. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this, the King James Version, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What we believe and think about ourselves is crucial to how we live out our lives. And this is where so many Christians, I believe, make a huge mistake. They don't see themselves rightly. Many of us uh, here in this room and online, and we're part of our church family, grew up watching the Disney animated movie Beauty and the Beast. Now, in this movie, the beast, of course, is a creature that is so hideous that even uh, to 
look upon him is difficult. But then he is transformed in this movie to an, a handsome prince. So that which was dark and ugly is changed into something that is glorious and good. The movie is a movie about a transformation. And what's interesting, it was true love that had the power to change the ugly into the beautiful. By the way, have you noticed how this same theme seems to be repeated in so many of our tales? Cinderella rises from the cinders to become a queen. This is another story of transformation. The ugly duckling becomes a swan, another transformation. Pinocchio becomes a real boy, another story of transformation. The frog becomes a prince, again, another story of transformation. The cowardly lion gets his courage, the scarecrow gets his brain, and the tin woodsman gets a new heart. So all these stories are stories of a transformation. A transformation has occurred, and they they were able to become the very thing that they thought they never could be. As John Eldridge tells us, all great stories get their power and meaning from the greatest story of all, the one true story, the story of the gospel. Because the one true story, the story of the gospel, is a story of transformation. That is the message of the gospel. A transformation is what Jesus came to do in us. So here's the truth. We rebelled and our penalty, the penalty for our rebellion, according to the Bible, was death. But to lose us was too great a pain for God to bear. So he took it upon himself to rescue us. And the son of God came to give his life a ransom for us. And so if you're a believer in Christ today, then the truth is you've been ransomed by Christ. You have been ransomed. Your treachery has been forgiven. You're entirely pardoned, all of us who know Christ, entirely pardoned of every wrong thought, every wrong desire, every wrong deed. And it's an awesome truth to think about, you know, just the level of forgiveness that we experience. But here's the truth. The truth is it doesn't stop there. It's not just that Christ came to do something for us. As great as that is, that is not the whole story. Christ came to also do something in us. He came to bring about a transformation in each one of us. Now, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, he prophesied that this very thing would happen one day. He prophesied that it would happen to all those who become part of this new covenant that he was talking about. Those who repent and believe in Christ, of course, as Savior and Lord, enter into the new covenant. Ezekiel prophesied this way. In chapter 36, verse 26, Ezekiel prophesied. The Lord speaks to Ezekiel and says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So here's the truth. The truth is, if you are a believer in Christ today, a true believer, then you've been far more than forgiven. God has also removed your heart of stone, which, by the way, when he does that, he delivers us from the very thing that was holding us back from becoming the very thing we want to be. 
He takes out the heart of stone, rescues us from this, you know, just that thing that was sabotaging us of every good intention. And then he gives us a new heart, a good heart. Now, this has always been God's plan, not just to forgive us, but to restore us. So if you know Christ today, you have a new heart. That's the truth of the new covenant. You've been given a new heart, a good heart. You're not who you used to be. You can now be what you're meant to be. Because there's been a transformation. This is the truth. Now, this is the truth the devil does not like. Because what would happen if all Christians really began to believe they really have been given a new heart, a good heart? They've really been transformed on the inside. And that they could begin to live out of that new heart, that good heart. What would happen around the world? See, I think the devil realizes that, so he has got to keep convincing Christians that's not true. You're still just a wretched sinner. That's who you are. And that's a lie. Many of you have also probably saw the movie The Lion King. If not growing up yourself, maybe you took your children or grandchildren to it. And by the way, this also is another story that has parallels to the one true story. There was once a beautiful kingdom, but it was stolen by the evil one. Its glory has been marred badly. Now it's time for the true king to come back and to take over. But Simba the lion heir to the throne, doesn't believe who he is. His father was murdered when he was young, and the enemy blamed it on Simba. So Simba ran away, and after years of losing heart, he winds up living in this story with a warthog and a meerkat whose highest ambition is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But then one night, Simba's father appears to him in a vision. You remember the story if you saw it. But just to review, let's just watch it. Come here, it's a secret. 
Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. <gasps> Bye. Hey, wait! You know my father? Correction. I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope. Wrong again. <laughs> He's alive. And I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki. He knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. I go back. I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Remember. Father. The weather, very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah, looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! 
Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! So that's the story. The story is he does go back, and he goes back because he now remembers who he really is. He takes his rightful place, and everything in the kingdom changes. So here's the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So when you turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you become a new creature. You have a new identity. And knowing that, and the key word here is knowing, knowing that makes all the difference in the world. And of course, the devil doesn't want us to know that, so he's got to, he's got to convince us of lies. The devil holds people in bondage with lies. He's the father of lies, Jesus tells us, and that's how he holds anybody, anybody in captivity. And bondage is through a lie. But Jesus says this, John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Does the truth make you free? No, actually, the truth you know makes you free. You have to know it. You have to believe it. So what truth am I talking about? I want to just give you two truths here for about the next uh, 10 minutes. Two truths that are key that most Christians do not believe. And that's why they're walking in bondage. They do not know who they are. They're not watching over their heart and knowing their true identity. First truth, you have been made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, he didn't just bear our sins so that we could be forgiven. He actually became sin for our sake that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus was made to be sin apart from doing evil. So we are made the righteousness of God apart from doing good. Again, I want you to notice this. God is not saying that our behavior is righteous. That's not what this verse says. He's saying that we are righteous. That is who we are. We have been made righteous through Christ, what Christ did for us. Now, our behavior is transformed as we renew our mind and guard our heart about this new identity, this truth. The more I know who I am, the more I renew my mind with that truth, that identity, the more it changes my behavior. Now, some of you are thinking, but I still sin. Now, if we define a sinner as someone who 
sins sometimes, then we are all sinners. But when the Bible uses the word sinner, it doesn't use it that way. When the Bible uses the word sinner, it's usually referring to what, not to what a person does, but to what a person is, to the person's identity. Now, in that context, the Bible never calls a Christian a sinner. 56 times, the Bible refers to born-again people, not as sinners, but as saints, holy ones. Look at this, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that in that while we were, were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, why is this past tense? This is real important. This is past tense. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. When we were born again, when we're born again in Christ, we, a change takes place. And we have been made the righteousness of God in him. So Christians are not sinners saved by grace. No, we're not. We were sinners, but when we're saved by grace, God changed who we are. Now we have a new identity, and that is not of a sinner. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I've got a new heart. I've got a good heart. So do you. Remember who you are. That's the biggest part of watching over your heart is remember who you are. Renew your mind with this truth. I mean, the only way I can live a holy life is, is I, I've got to realize I've already been made that inside and renew my mind to that and live in accordance with my new identity. See, our identity is determined not by our behavior, but by our birth. And we have a new birth. We've been born again. That's why we have a new identity. A bird is not a bird because he can fly. A bird is a bird because he's born a bird. Every Christian still sins from time to time, but our essential nature is no longer sin. That's not our nature anymore. So do you see yourself as a sinner or do you see yourself as a saint who sometimes sins? That's a big difference. Can you see how important this is? I mean, if believers are taught that their essential nature is to sin, what do you think is going to happen? Look at this, Ephesians 5.3. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Why? Because those sins are not proper among saints. Those are sins proper among sinners, but we are not sinners. We have a new identity. We are saints. That's who you are. Remember who you are. That's the biggest part of watching over your heart. Paul does not call them sinners. On the contrary, he appeals to their identity as saints 
in order to straighten out their behavior. He goes to their identity. He's saying, in effect, saints, these sins are totally inconsistent with who you are. We have a new identity. And we need to see ourselves that way and act in accordance with it, who we are now. Paul is simply telling them to act in accordance with who they really are. So you have been made righteous. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You've been made righteous. You're a saint. You got a new heart. You got a good heart. That's who you are. There's a second truth that most Christians do not believe that is holding them in bondage by not believing it. Remember, that is truth number two you have been set free. Romans 6, 6, and 6, 7 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. So sin was the slave master of who you were. It's not the master now of who you are. So the Apostle Paul is seeking now to correct their behavior. But what does he do? He focuses them back to their new identity. He's saying this, basically. Continuing in sin is inconsistent with who God made you to be now. Remember who you are. See, many Christians never experience freedom from sin's dominion because they don't do their part. Here's Romans 6, 11. Look at this. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, is this a command to die to sin, or is this, or is this a, a, a command to affirm that we're already dead to sin? Which one is it? Does it say die to sin, or does it say you're dead to sin? Let's read it again, 611. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, most of you are probably aware that the fact that slavery throughout the United States was legally abolished by the 13th Amendment, December 6, 1865. So December 6, 1865, after that day in this country's history, no man was another man's property. So my question to you, the day after the 13th Amendment passed, how many slaves were there in the United States of America? The answer is zero, none. However, millions of people still thought they were slaves. Millions experienced the same bondage they had before. They were free, but they did not know it. Now, what would it take for these former slaves to actually experience freedom? Well, four things. Number one, they, someone has to tell them the truth, that they're now free. Number two, they've got to uh, believe the truth. Number three, they got to consider themselves to be free now. And number four, three, number four, they got to stop obeying their former masters to walk in freedom. Jamie Lash asks us to consider this illustration. He says this, consider three former slaves. I want you to imagine three months after the 13th Amendment passes in 1865, making slavery now illegal. 
Former slave number one, let's just take three slaves now, three months later. Slave number one hears the good news and rejoices that his days of slavery are over. His life is completely transformed. He now walks in freedom. Awesome. Former slave number two has not heard the news. He continues to work on a remote plantation. Although he's now a free man, his master somehow neglects to tell him that he's free. So he continues to live as a slave. Former slave number three, he hears the good news, but he tries to figure out how that could possibly be true by checking his feelings and his experiences. And since he, he's, he's been told he's free, but he doesn't feel free, he's not experiencing freedom. And so he concludes that that must not be true. It must not be true that he's actually free, so he doesn't believe it, so he doesn't walk in it. Now, many Christians are making the same mistake when it comes to the truth of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 declares that we have been freed from sin. We're freed from it. At the moment of salvation, we died with Christ. We believe in Christ. At the moment of salvation, we died with Christ. Our old life is dead and buried. We're new creatures. But many Christians conclude this cannot be true because it's inconsistent with their feelings and their experiences since their salvation took place. Okay, I want you to notice that in our illustration, all three former slaves were completely free, but only one of them experienced freedom, only one. Look at Romans 6, 12. Therefore, do not let sin, sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lust. Why? Because sin is no longer your master. Why are you listening to it? It's not your master. You've been set free from it. Sin was the master of who you were. It's not the master of who you are. So why are you obeying it? I want you to notice the word therefore here. The apostle Paul is pointing back to, to the truth. He just explained. Number one, you died with Christ. Number two, you're no longer enslaved to sin. Therefore, because these things are true, don't go on obeying sin as if it's still your master. Okay, I want you to imagine that one plantation informs another of the 13th Amendment. So one plantation owner, he tells another plantation owner, did you hear about the 13th Amendment? And the other plantation owner says, this is terrible news. Slavery's been abolished. We're going to lose all of our workers. But the other plantation owner says, no, no, not so quick. He smiles. He says, we don't, we don't have the legal right over them. This is true. But let's just make sure they don't learn the truth. Let's keep them from knowing the truth that they're really free. And if we can convince them they're not really free, they keep working for us. Or let's just tell them that the 13th Amendment says they're going to be free in the future, but they're not yet. So right now they still work for us. See, many Christians think like this. Many Christians think, I'll be free from sin sometime in the future. Maybe after I die. That's not what the Bible says. Look at this, Romans 6, 6 again. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. It's not talking about our physical death here that frees us from bondage to sin. It's talking about our death with Christ. That death occurs when we believe in Christ. Our old life is dead and buried. We died with Christ. We're new creatures. We're no longer slaves to sin but most Christians don't believe it. They don't know it. They don't believe it. And by the way, millions of Christians are crying out to God, asking him, deliver me from some type of addictive sin. Deliver me from it. But when they do that, it's all in unbelief. 
even if they believe that God will do it in the future, it's an unbelief because they do not believe that he's done it already. He's already done it. Make sure you renew your mind to this truth. Guard your heart to this truth. When the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, all former slaves, did they experience freedom immediately? No. In the days following December 6, 1865, most didn't even know it happened. They didn't even know it. Their status had completely changed, and they didn't know it. What would it take for them to experience freedom? I'll tell you what it takes. It takes them hearing the truth. Then it takes them believing the truth. And then it takes them, stop submitting to your former masters. The same is true of us in Christ. I want to ask the worship team to come back up here for the closing song here. But here's the thing. Because of Christ, you are now righteous. You are a saint. And because of Christ, you are free. You are free from the bondage of sin. You no longer have to obey that master. That's the truth that most Christians do not know. That's the truth that we've got to renew our minds with. That's the truth that we must guard our hearts with, watch over our hearts with. You are who God says you are. Believe it and live accordingly. Let's all stand. There's a closing song says, you know, believe in who you say I am. Believe in this truth. Let's just let this wash over us and guard our hearts to this truth and renew our minds.
Father, we, ch we choose, Father, to believe what you say of us to be true. We receive that. I pray, Lord, we find ourselves watching over our hearts with this truth because the devil is going to lie to us over and over again that we would hold on to this truth. We'd live out of it. So I pray for all of us in this regard. I pray this week we just find ourselves with watching over our hearts with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. In Jesus' name.